Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series is Buttheads, Bullies, and Beavises. Part 2, Bullies, featuring Michael Davis. Well, we are continuing our series. Uh, we've been in a series called uh, Buttheads, Bullies, and Beavis, Dealing with Difficult People. And what we've been talking about is what it looks like to, to deal with difficult people. And one of the things we talked about is that difficult people are inevitable, right? I mean, difficult people, are they're not going anywhere. So if you ever quit a job or you leave a family or you leave a church and you're like, these people are way too difficult. There's way too many bullies, buttheads, and beavises around here. I got to get out of here. Guess what? The next place you go, the next place you work at, the next family that you join, they're going to be there again. You're going to be like, oh my goodness, you're Karen 2.0, right? I mean, they're just going to be there. And that's why we have to have a plan because we don't have a plan. We're emotionally charged. When we don't have a plan, then just whatever's inside of us comes out. And sometimes that's not the best, right? And so we've been talking about how to deal with these, these difficult people, people we have to adapt to, people who make us kind of change, people who, you know, when we walk into the room, we've got to kind of put a mask on, we've got to put a smile on, we've got to act a little differently. People who make us change our behavior, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But the thing is, is that when it comes to these people, we have to have a plan, and God, God gives us a plan. God, God, through the story of Jesus and some other stories that we have, He gives us a plan. We, we've got to have that. So last week, we talked about the butthead. We talked about David, and we talked about the, 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 the butthead that he dealt with, Nabal. And we talked about what it would look like to return good for evil, right? I mean, to return good for evil... No, go, go back. Return good for evil. There you go. Uh, what it looks like to return good for evil. Because that's what Abigail encouraged David to do. Because Abigail understood that. And so that's what Abigail ended up doing. We're having a lot of situations. Are we good? All right. Uh, a lot of weird things going on. Um, but what would it look like to return good for evil? And, and the thing is, is that these people, when we, when we come into contact with these people, we have an opportunity, Right? When we come into contact with these people, we have this opportunity uh, to, to do something remarkable and not predictable, right? I mean, David, what David did was predictable. I mean, who wouldn't? When somebody is mean to you, it is predictable to want to be mean back to them. But that's not what Abigail did, and that's not what Abigail encouraged him to do. He encouraged him to do something remarkable, and that's what we want to do. We have this awesome chance to do something remarkable. And in this moment, it's our opportunity to be like God because that's what God did. God did something remarkable. God, when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to die for our sins, I mean, we didn't earn that. We didn't deserve that. We were, we were in, our, in our own way as a, as, a, as a humankind, mean to God. But he did something remarkable for us when he gave us Jesus. And Jesus said, go and do the same. This is how people will know that you are mine. This is how people you are know you are a child of God. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to, we talked about buttheads. So now we're going to talk about bullies, right? And bullies, for you, if, you, if you don't know, this is what a bullies are. Bullies, bullies are a little different. They're like the butthead, okay? But they're a little bit different. Bullies, they use different tactics. Tactics such as coercion, threats intimidation, they're very passive-aggressive, and they're just, they're very, very sneaky, right? Like, their their attacks are subtle. It's just weird. It's like, buttheads are just mean to your face. 
Bullies are like sneaky, weird ninjas of some kind, right? I actually, this week in my research, I found an ancient Chinese proverb about bullies, okay? And it says this. It says, behind the smile, a hidden knife, right? Behind the smile, hi, is a knife, right? I'm going to put this on one of my family members' tombstone when they die. Um, What did you? What did you think about your mother-in-law? Well, no, I'm just kidding. Um, But bullies are just different. They're tactful. They're subtle. They're weird. They're sneaky. And the thing is, you know this about a bully, right? When you hear from a bully, you're going to hear from a bully through someone else or through something else, right? I mean, when you hear that uh, what a bully is doing, all the sneaking around, all the subtleness, all the attacks, all this different stuff, you don't hear about it face-to-face. You hear from somebody else, did you know what they said? Did you hear what they did? Or you know what, it won't be to your face or through somebody else, but it'll be through something else, like an email. Bullies love to email. They hate picking up the phone and calling you. They hate having a face-to-face meeting with you. They like to email you or text you or they'll find you in in the comment section, you know, on social media. That's where the bullies lie. That's the kind of attacks that the bullies have. It'll never be to your face. And then when you do see them face-to-face, what will happen is, is they'll act like nothing's wrong, right? Like you've been going in the comment section, you've been going you know, back and forth through somebody else, you've heard that there is an issue between the two of you, and then you do see them face to face after that email, after that thing, and they're like, hey, how are you? I'm so glad to see you, you're my best friend. And you're like, are you a psychopath? Was I texting with somebody else? Was that somebody else on your Facebook page? I mean, you're crazy, and that's how, that's what bullies do. These are the kind of sneaky attacks that bullies pull off. So, once again, just like with the, the mean people or the buttheads, right? I said you have, you, have, you have two options. You can either fight back or you can ignore them. But we talked about how there's a third option, right? To, to, to do good to them, to do, give them something they don't deserve, to respond uh, ev- good for evil. But in this, in this situation, too, with bullies, there's two options as well. Option number one is you adapt, Right? Was anybody bullied in school? Just go ahead and ra- Oh, I didn't want you guys to actually raise your hand. Okay, well, just I'm going to take everybody's name down. Now, here's the real question. How many of you were the bullies, right? Oh, gosh. Abby, oh, my. Okay. Didn't know that about you. I'll remember that, okay? Um, but with a bully, some of us adapt, right? I'll never forget in middle school. You know, remember gym class in middle school was like a bully's playground, you know? There was this one kid, because we would have gym class and we would change, and then we'd go in the the locker room and we we would change our clothes again, and there was this one kid who would always get made fun of by this one bully, right? And so this kid, what he decided to do, how he dealt with it, is he adapted. So we would go in and everybody else would change, and he didn't want to be made fun of anymore by the bully, and so he would just keep his gym clothes on and just wear them the rest of the day. And then he was Stinker McStinkerson, right? Because he was wearing his gym clothes all day. But he didn't want to change in front of the bully because the bully made in front of him. So he just adapted, right? Like he just made up his new, new, new routine. Well, since this bully's doing this to me, I'm going to adapt and I'm going to do a, a new routine. Later on, he would just change later on in the day. Like he'd go in the bathroom between classes. Then he'd get in trouble for being late because he was changing. And I'm just like, man, like this guy is just, this, this bully it has so much power over him. And that's what bullies do. When you adapt to a bully, they have power over you. And adaptation, adaptation is this for, you know, for, for our uh, means here. When you modify yourself because of someone's intimidation, 
right? Which, I mean, we talked about the school version of that, what that looks like in school, but let's be honest, some of you guys do that at work, right? Some of you guys do that in your family. You are a different person. You act differently. You do different things. Why? Because of somebody else's intimidation. Because of somebody else's bullying. Some of you, it's, it's weird, some of you, I've hung out with you around other people uh, in, in other places, like outside of church, and you act different. Like if we go to dinner or something else, I'm like, you're not acting the same. Why are you, why are you acting so different? It's because that, that other person intimidates you so much that you, 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 you act differently. You laugh about things that you don't normally, you don't actually think are funny. I know you don't think that's funny. That's not your sense of humor. But you laugh anyway because you don't want to make the bully mad, right? Uh, we, we all do it in our own way, even around family. People act differently around family and stuff. But option number two is this. Option number two is we fight back. And now this is the same as last week, right? We fight back, and we fight fire with fire. And we know that 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 never goes well, right? We know that that is not a tactic that we actually, you know, want want to follow. That's that's not something that we want to do. It's something we don't want to be a part of because it always makes us end up looking just like them. We end up looking like a villain in the same way that they're a villain. So today, to talk about what we do want to do, I want to talk to you again and give you a third option. And I want to talk to you about Daniel. Okay, and Daniel is probably a story that you've heard before, might be familiar with, but there's a couple things I want to pull out. And if you don't know anything about Daniel, Daniel was born into a house of privilege. He was a good-looking, intelligent um, Jewish man, and, and, and he lived in Judah. But then when Judah was invaded by Babylon, he became an exile. But go figure, in hard times, he stayed faithful to God, and he kept doing everything he was doing. He, he adjusted, he pivoted, he got used to the new normal, and he actually did quite well, and God blessed him. And so when, when it came to uh, the, the Babylonians and, and Nebuchadnezzar, who was in charge of that, Nebuchadnezzar had people underneath him. And Balthazar, who was his first processor, actually made Daniel third in charge. He made him third, he came up so far in the ranks, he went from exile to the third most powerful person in, in, in this area that had been taken over, in Judah. And so then all of a sudden he's working with the Babylonian government, and then Belshazzar dies, and then here comes Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar be, becomes in charge of him, and he, he puts, puts him in charge of 120 government officials. They call them satraps. And so this is what it says in Daniel. This is what it tells us at the beginning of the story. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel, who was so distinguished, so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So we know from this story that Daniel is just, he's going to keep going up. He, he is going to, to become something so, so amazing, so, so great. He, he's going to be in charge of all of these different people. And, and, and you know what made him so great? What was so, what was so cool about him? Is that people loved him. 
They, they loved him so, so very much. He was this distinguished man. But you look at these people, and you're like, what is it? What is it about them? And the, and the bullies, they, 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 they hated this, right? At this time, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his contact of, of government affairs. So the bullies are looking at him, and the bullies are like, man, he, he is, he's just, oh, it gets me so upset. We, we need to do something to him. And here's what I want to tell you. If you ever are bullied in your life, if you ever get bullied, do you know why you get bullied? The, the reason is this. Is bull, here's the thing about bullies. Bullies are jealous people. See, these bullies, they, they looked at Daniel, and they're like, oh, he's so good looking. Oh, he's so smart. Oh, he's so successful. He has power. He's supposed to be in exile. I mean, he's supposed to be like, almost like a slave, almost like a servant. He's supposed to be at, at the bottom of the food chain. But look at him. He's gorgeous, and he's awesome, and he, he has all these awesome qualities. And, and they, wanted, they wanted to trap him so much. And when we get bullied by people, that's, that's honestly, you wonder, why, why are they bullying me? It's because they're jealous of you. They, they want something that you have, and they're jealous of you. So they've made you their target. They are going to bully you. But you know, the thing is, is that this story goes on, and in, in the continuing of this verse, like I said, at this time, the administrators and satraps, they tried to find grounds and charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They couldn't find anything, any dirt on Daniel because he, he was such a good man. He, 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 was so, he was so good. He was so connected to God. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And so they wanted to find this way to, to bring him down a peg, to, to knock him down. They were going to bully him into becoming like them. And that's the thing about bullies, right? Nothing gives a bad person more joy than to expose a good person as no better than them. This is, this is what bad people love to do. This is what bullies are trying to accomplish. The, the, these bullies, they, they want to show you, you're not better than me, because they know you are better than them. And they're like, you're not better than me. I'm going to show you, right? And this is like every, every classic story that we've ever seen, right? Where, where, the, where the bad guy wants to expose the good guy and be like, you're just like me. And the good guy's like, oh, I'm not like you. I'm nothing like you, right? But really, honestly, when we watch most, most movies, like, you know, like superhero movies and stuff, this is what happens, right? Like the bully bullies. And what happens? The good guy ends up killing them in the end, right? I mean, really, the good guy ends up being no, no better than the bad guy because they end up doing the same thing. They end up fighting back, fighting fire with fire. And we all kind of relate to that and go, well, yeah, that makes sense to me, right? Because if somebody pushes you hard enough, you have a duty. It's your responsibility to shove them back, right? To come back at them just as bad. And these bullies, they wanted to trap Daniel so bad, but they could find no dirt on him. They couldn't think of any way to trip him up because he, he, was, so, he was so well balanced, so trustworthy, such, so close to God. He was so, so good at life. And so they came up with a different plan. And they said this. They said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Aha, they said. You know what we could do? We could trap him. We could make him choose between his job and his God. Between his king and his king of kings. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll challenge his faith. 
will make him have to choose between the two and will we'll entrap him. Again, right? Smile, knife. And so this is what they set out to do. And so then it says next, it says, So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and says, May King Darius live forever, right? Again, smile, knife. What are they doing? They're running into the boss's office and they're buttering him up. The king isn't even aware that he's about to get bullied into bullying Daniel. The king is, is getting the same treatment. This is, this is what bullies do. They use these manipulative tricks, and that's exactly what these satraps are doing. And so then it says next, So the royal administrators, uh, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should is- issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human uh, being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, what was wrong with what we just read? There was a lie in there, right? They come, to, they come to the king, they come to the boss, and they go, all of the satraps agree. All the government officials, we all agree. Um, is that true? No, because Daniel wasn't there, right? I don't think Daniel agreed to this. This is the equivalent of that guy who walks into the boss or the leader's room and goes, look, we've all been talking, and everybody agrees. Okay, four people is not everybody, okay? Four people in the workplace, four people in the school, five parents, that's not everybody. But that's the kind of language that bullies use. Oh, yeah, people have been talking to me. Who, who what, what people? I can't tell you. But we all agree. Really, all three of you? Okay, that's not the entire tribe, okay? But that's the kind of things that bullies do. And so the bullies, this is what they do. They go to the king, and they, and they tell him this, and they go, you know, this is what we feel like needs to happen. This would be great, right? And they say to him, they, they say to the king, now, your majesty, Issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered. When, when the king or, or when the high official would put something into writing, it was law. As soon as it was written down, consider it solid. And so that's what they wanted them to do. Hey, don't wait. Don't, don't go check with everybody. No, trust, trust us. We're, we're telling you, all of us, all 120 of us, including Daniel, we all agree this is the wise thing to do. This is the right thing to do. Go ahead and do this. Just go ahead and put it in writing. In accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. He wrote it down, made it law, and that's how it was. And so then it goes on and it tells us this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published. Before we go on and talk about what Daniel did, let's put this into the context of today. If this were today, what would you do? What would most of us do? Well, let's think about these two options that we have, right? Adapting or fighting back. Some of us would adapt, right? Daniel, if you don't know the rest of the story, Daniel would pray three times a day facing Jerusalem outside of a window. It, it went back to, to, to part of their traditional uh, the, tra- the tradition in Israel. They were encouraged to pray facing and looking at, at, at Jerusalem every single day. And, and, and so, and so that's, that's what he did. He prayed at this window. He faced that spot, and he would pray every single day, three times a day. And think about that as a governor. That's, that's pretty impressive to find the time to do that. But he would do that. And so some of us today, if that were us, if we were in this situation, we would just do what? We would adapt. Right? 
we'd go, well, I know that it's strongly encouraged and it's family tradition and, you know, we're all supposed to do this where we, we go and we pray at this window and we face this city and we do it kind of where everybody can see us. But maybe what we could just start doing is just, you know, shutting those doors, you know, where nobody could see us. Maybe, 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 maybe I don't pray out loud where people can hear me. Maybe I just, maybe I just pray under my voice like this, you know, or maybe I just pray in my head. Maybe that's what I'll start doing because getting thrown into a lion's den uh, not the best situation that I want to be in. And so maybe I'll just start doing that. Maybe I'll just adapt a little bit to the bullies and just go on about my life. And some of us, we would do that, right? I'm just going to adapt. Now, others of us, most of us in the Midwest, we would do what? Well, we would fight back, right? Number one, we'd go on Facebook, right? We'd change our profile pic with this you know, this, this banner that says, you know, Jew lives matter, and I can't believe they're doing this. And we'd write this post, I can't believe these guys are taking my freedoms away. Do you know what country we live in? you know who my God is? And there ain't no way that I'm going to stop praying to these people. This is baloney, right? We'd get a bunch of hearts and likes, and then the comments says, but you go, sister. I'm on your team. You know what I mean? All right, that's how, like, we deal with a lot of stuff today, right? So we'd go on Facebook, and we'd probably go on a rant. We'd go on social media. We'd, you know, complain about our freedoms being taken away and we'd cause all this hubbub and you know we'd be like you know what we all ought to just charge into King Darius's office tomorrow we ought to tell him what's up and be like yeah we ought to do a rally yeah let's do a rally you know and we'd cause all this hubbub and we'd be like and then if he's not going to change his mind we're going to burn this place down that's what we're going to do right everybody get your guns let's do this right we're going to protect our freedom that's what we probably do today but you know what when Daniel learned that this had this decree had had been published that this was law. Do you know what Daniel did? It says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home, he went upstairs, he went to his window, and he opened it towards Jerusalem. And then it goes on, and he says this. It says three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, and that's exactly what he did, just as he had done before. You know what Daniel did? Daniel didn't adapt, and he also didn't fight back. Daniel said, huh, what do I do in this predicament? Hmm, I think I'll just keep doing what I had been doing before. Because what I was doing before worked for me. So I'll just keep doing it. And I'll live with the consequences. Okay. You know what was so amazing about Daniel? Daniel had a, 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 a terrific quality. And for those of you who want to go really deep with me today, this is, this is your deep point, okay? Daniel, he had healthy spiritual patterns, Okay. Yeah, he was good looking. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was smart and he was wise. But do you know what made Daniel successful? He had healthy spiritual patterns. He had things he did every single day. I mean, he was a busy governor over all of these people, and he still found time in his schedule three times a day to go home, go to his window, face Jerusalem, and pray out loud. He had a schedule, and he, he had these awesome, healthy spiritual patterns. And let me tell you something. There are people in your life and in mine who we look up to. As, as Christians, people we look up to as entrepreneurs, people who are successful in life, people who run their businesses well, people who seem to lead their families well, people who seem to parent well, people who are successful in life, and you look at them and go, oh my goodness, they are so successful. I wish I could be as successful as them. And can I tell you the secret? This is the secret. They have healthy spiritual patterns. Even the non-Christian ones, they still have healthy spiritual patterns. They, they get plenty of sleep. 
They get up at the same time every day. They practice spiritual routines of either meditation or prayer or reading their Bible or journaling. They have a schedule. They watch what they eat. They exercise. They, they schedule everything out, whether it comes to time with their spouse and time with their kids and time on their business. And they have healthy spiritual patterns. And guess what? When things get bad, they don't abandon their healthy spiritual patterns. They stay on board. They continue the path. Because when you've made a decision that these are the things I should do to be successful in life, when things get bad, why would you break away from the things that work well for you? It doesn't make any sense. But don't, isn't that what we do all the time? When we are upset, when we are going through a hard season, we go, well, I know I, I usually watch what I eat and I count my macros and I'm so, I'm so careful, but oh, tonight I'm just going to eat a tub of ice cream, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, like, what could go wrong? You know, I know I do, I watch what I eat for a reason, but tonight, forget it, you know? I'm just going to, maybe that'll be good for me. No, or tonight, you know, I'm not going to get nine hours of sleep. Tonight, I'm just going to stay up all night. Maybe things will get better. No, it won't. Or I'm going to drink, or I'm going to smoke, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go spend time here where I know every time I've gone here, nothing good has ever happened. But things are going badly, so I'm just going to see how bad they could really get. Why do we do that? Why do we break away from healthy spiritual patterns? And here's the thing. You know what? As your pastor, here's the thing. I know when things are about to go bad for you before maybe you even know things are going to go bad for you. And here's the thing, it drives, Kate all, it drives Kate crazy all the time because I call it. I call, I, just, I call my shot and I'm like, you know what, I think that something bad's going to happen. And here's the, here's, the, here's the reason I know. is because watching you, watching what you do, when you break away from your healthy spiritual patterns, I know what's about to come. All I do is watch your healthy spiritual patterns. And I know when you're about to be in the valley before you actually even are in the valley. And it's because you break away from your healthy spiritual patterns. So let me ask you a question. What are your healthy spiritual patterns? Some of you don't even have any. Some of you, it's just like, well, you know, I just like to go with the flow. Well, let me tell you something. Going with the flow, the flow don't ever end up where you want it to flow, okay? The flow always ends up in a bad place. Don't go with the flow. You need to have healthy spiritual patterns. You have to have a plan. You have to have a routine. You have to have a plan because what do we talk about? When you don't have a plan, things go awry, right? Things just kind of come out. Things are emotionally driven. What are your healthy spiritual patterns? David, he had these healthy spiritual patterns. And he said this to himself. At least I imagine he said this to himself. Why would I stop doing what has been working for me and what has made me who I am today? I'm not going to divert from that. What am I going to do in this situation? Huh, well, I guess I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And do you know what's so amazing about this? Again, today this is so relevant. I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else. You know what I mean? Daniel, what he did was he, he, he made a decision, and he had confidence in that decision. And he had so much confidence in that decision, he, he did it, and then he lived with the consequences. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine being put in a spot where you have to make a choice and you decide to make a choice and you have so much confidence in that choice that you go, I believe in this so much, I'm willing to live with the consequences. I don't need to go around pointing my finger at everybody else who doesn't believe what I believe. 
I don't need to go around trying to convince everybody that what I'm doing is right and what you guys are doing is wrong. This is what I believe. I have complete confidence and faith in this decision. And I'm going to live with the consequences. I don't know how this is going to go. It could go bad. It could get me in a lion's den or it could be okay. I don't know. But I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to have so much confidence in that decision that I'm going to live with the consequences. Imagine a world where we all did that. Where we just made decisions about what we felt was right and we just kept it to ourselves and didn't have to convince everybody else that they were stupid for not doing what we thought was smart and just lived with the consequences. I don't know. We might get along a whole lot better if we did that. And so Daniel did that, and this is what happened. Of course, the bullies were waiting for him. And then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So Daniel just keeps on doing what he's always been doing, and these guys are waiting for him. I mean, we knew that was going to happen, right? They're out there, they're hiding, and they see him in the window. They're like, man, that didn't take long at all, right? So we got him. So then they go back to the king, and it says, So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. And they say to him, Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human except for you, your majesty, would be thrown into the, the lion's den? I mean, again, these bullies are so sneaky, right? I mean, they go in there and go, hey, king, I can't remember. Did you? Come on, you were there. They remember. They know. Now they're bullying the king, right? They're bullying the king to do their bidding. This is what bullies do. And it goes on. It says the king answered, yeah, 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 yeah. The decree stands in accordance with the law. And, and which cannot be repealed. Yes, I, I did do that. And it can't be changed. And it can't be repealed. Oh, really? And so the story goes on. And it says, so the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel. And they threw him in the lion's den. So you know the story. Daniel gets kind of trapped. The king gets trapped by the bullies. And it, the king realizes, oh, that means Daniel Daniel was praying. That's right. Daniel, he's a Jew. That's right. Daniel, he prays to the God of the Jews. Now he's going to have to die. But here's, here's what I found so interesting this week, reading this with fresh eyes. I want to read this verse to you again, the verse I just read. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel, and they threw him in the lion's den. No details, Right? So, so what happened? What happened? They went and found Daniel. They brought him and they threw him in the lion's den. What did, what did Daniel do, though? Did Daniel kick and scream and go, No, these are, I'm a free man. You're taking my freedoms. I'm going to get you people. You're going to throw me in this line. What is this voice I'm doing? I don't know. Uh, did, 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 did he kick? Did he scream? Did he throw a fit? Did he look at him and go, My God is going to get you for this. You just wait. No. Do you know what happened? They went and picked up Daniel. They said, Daniel, you're going to have to come with us. And Daniel said, okay. And Daniel walked out and they go, no, we're going to take you and we're going to throw you in the lion's den. And Daniel said, okay. And then they put Daniel in the lion's den. And the king Darius, he yelled out, I hope your God is going to save you. And Daniel said, okay. <laughs> right? It's like that SNL character with Pete Davidson. Oh, yep, yep. That's all Daniel said. Do you know why there's, there's nothing else written? It's because there's nothing else to say. Because because Daniel didn't do anything. Daniel didn't put up a fight. He didn't threaten them. He just said, okay, I have every confidence in the decision I made. And I said I would live with the consequences. I believed that this was the right thing to do. And I knew there would be consequences. And I, I, I don't have anything to say because 
I have confidence in my decision. I have faith in my decision. And Daniel, throughout this whole thing, do you know what Daniel did? Daniel did this. Daniel remained faithfully innocent. Daniel, throughout the whole thing, there was nothing to write because there was nothing said. There was nothing to write because Daniel didn't do anything. He remained the entire time faithfully innocent. He didn't clap back. He didn't comment in the comment section. He didn't fire off a letter. He didn't raise up a fuss. He just remained faithfully innocent. Why? Because Daniel, he had confidence in his decision. Because he had confidence in his God. And so, then it tells us this next. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. In my opinion, when you look at the story of Daniel, when you probably learned this story when you were a kid or you saw it in a movie or a cartoon, right? Daniel in the lion's den, and everything's about, the, about Daniel. It's my belief that Daniel is not even the main character in the story. Do you know who I believe the main character of the story really is? The king. See, because if you look at the three characters we have in the story, this is what we have. So we've got the bullies who bullied. We've got Daniel, who is faithfully innocent. And we've got the king, who is spectating through the whole thing. And what's so interesting is that both of the king and Daniel get bullied in this situation. And the king, he just keeps adapting, kind of. He just keeps kind of going with it and just, oh, man, well, this is what i got to do, but I don't really want to. It even says in the scripture that, that the king spent 24 hours. He had 24 hours to try to save Daniel. He tried to find ways to manipulate the law, manipulate what he had written to try to adapt to this situation and save Daniel. But he couldn't. And so the last thing that we hear is he's, Daniel is thrown into the lion's den is this king. He, he says to him, can you go back to that verse? He says to him, he says, I, I hope that your God, I hope that your God rescues you. And the king is basically saying to him, I, I don't know if this is going to work out. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. See, see the king was spectating, and the king was waiting to see. I wonder if God, Daniel's God will come through for him. I wonder if being a Christian or being a follower of God is worth it. Hmm, we will see. See, the thing is, is that you and I, when we go through these trials, when we go through these seasons, here, here's what you need to know, is that all around you are spectators. All around you are eyes watching you. And they know that you're a Christian. They know what you believe. They know you go to church. They know, they, they know that you follow God. And they watch you go through a situation and they go, what's going to happen here? How are they going to respond? I wonder what they're going to do. Are they going to adapt? Are they going to ignore? Oh, maybe they're going to fight back. Hmm, yeah, you know what? If they fought back, it kind of proved like Christians are just like the rest of us, right? <laughs> oh, I wonder if they adapt. I mean, that's kind of, oh, man, they kind of cower to people. Their God must not be that strong then. I mean, if they ignore them, if they keep doing what they're doing, I wonder how that's going to pay off for them. See, all the time, you and I 
We have spectators. We have people's eyes on us. And they watch us go through these trials and these seasons, and they go, I'm waiting to see if following God is worth it. I hope so. See, all the time we have coworkers watching us go through trials, and they're watching, and they're waiting to see, oh, this is where I learn whether there's a payoff for following God or not. This is where I learn if God is real. This is where I learn if they really believe what they believe. I wonder what's going to happen. See, all the time you have family members who may not believe or may not have the same faith as you, and they watch you go through these things, and they, they go, I wonder what's going to happen here. This is going to tell me a lot. It's going to tell me a lot about them and their faith. It's going to tell me a lot about God. I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen here. And you know what? Parents in the room, the biggest spectators you have are your kids. And your kids are watching you go through trials. Your kids are watching you deal with buttheads and bullies and beavises. And they're going, I wonder if mommy and daddy really believe what they be- say they believe. I wonder if I should really follow God. And there's spectators and there's people whose who eyes are on us. And, and, and the story tells us that, that the king, he spent all night, he barely slept. He barely slept, and then as soon as there was a, uh, the, the sun had come up a little bit, it meant the next day, next day was here, and he could go and he could go to the den and see if Daniel was still alive. And it said that he was he was so he was wondering what happened to Daniel, and he ran and he took the stone that they took uh, and put on top of the den, and he yelled down there. And what he yells down there is, "Is Daniel? Did your God come through for you?" Did your God come through for you? See, that's what the spectators, the co-workers, the family members, the kids are waiting to see. Is it worth it to follow God? What were the results? Are you okay? Or is this just something you do when life is going well? And Daniel, as you all know, he's, he was alive. He was untouched, right? And do you know what happened because of that? The king decided that Everybody should follow God, that nobody should pray to him, that everybody should follow God. And so he writes this letter, and this is what he says in this letter. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all of the earth. So he sent out these letters way beyond, you know, anywhere close, just all over the earth. And he says, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and, and revere the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and all the earth. He has rescued Daniel. I've seen it with my own eyes. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. See, I don't believe Daniel is is actually the main point of the story. I think the king is. And I even think that the, the reason that God saved Daniel was not because Daniel was faithful. Because you and I know all the time bad things happen to faithful people, right? I mean, even Jesus was given the chance to be saved, and he wasn't. So the, the point of the story, when you, when you learn the story as a kid, the, the, the thing that your Sunday school teacher always told you is, and if you just have enough faith, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Well, that's bull, right? You get to be an adult, and you're like, yeah, that wasn't true. That, I don't think that was the point of the story. And that's not the point of the story. Here's the point of the story. The point of the story is I believe that Daniel's life was spared because of what hung in the balance. And what hung in the balance was the king's faith. Because when Daniel was saved, the king put his faith in God. And because the king put his faith in God, the gospel message was spread to everybody. 
the king became the evangelist. And the evangelist said, I am telling you, this is what I saw. And I am telling you that this is a God worth following. And let me tell you guys something. You are not the main point of the story. And God does not... God does not save you because of your faithfulness, okay? You could be faithful and you could, you could do everything right and still bad things may happen to you. Happens, people are martyred all of the time for their beliefs. The point of it is the people who are watching you, the spectators, the people who are waiting to see. Because when they see you go through something tough and you have healthy spiritual patterns and you have faith in God and when stuff hits the fan, you don't even budge. You don't change. You continue down the path. You continue marching through the mud. You keep heading in the direction that you have set in front of you. People go, oh, what's up with that? I like that. Look at him. How did they do that? How did they continue? How did they persevere? How did they still have joy? And how were they able to stay balanced? How were they able to stay so optimistic? How were they able to stay so positive? How did they continue on down the path that they were headed and not even be knocked down for a minute? How did they just keep getting up and keep trudging through that mud? Wow, it must be God. And if that's what God does for people, well, then that must be a God worth following. And see, Jesus, it's why he told, when he, when he would preach to people, he, he told us something very similar. I shared this verse with you last week, but, but I want to sh share with you the entire verse. It's in Luke. It says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Now, this is the part we didn't read last week. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other. Really? And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Go ahead and give that to him too. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And again, this is a verse that today you go, but why? But I don't like that. But I have to comment back. But I have to fight back. But I have to defend myself. But I have to engage, right? But I, I can't. I, I, I can't just. I can't hold it in. I can't let. The, I can't take that. And Jesus says, "Well, let me tell you." He says, "Let me. Let me tell you something. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you?" He says, "Even sinners love those who love them." See, Jesus's point was this. Jesus's point is, well, for us as Christians, we're not going to do what's predictable. We're going to do what's remarkable. Because when we do something remarkable, people take notice. Another way to put it is this, is when you do what is predictable, no one cares. When you do something remarkable, people take notice. And see, as Christians, we're called to be more than predictable. We're called to do what's normal. And yeah, what's justified, what anybody would do, what nobody would fault you for doing, but we're not called to be like everybody else. We're called to be different. And to not do what's predictable, to do what's remarkable. Because when we live remarkable lives, people go, what is that? I want some of that. Is that from God? Is that from following Jesus? The maybe, maybe following Jesus is worth it. See, 
It goes like this. Your faithful innocence could be what helps someone make sense of God. Your faithful innocence could be what helps someone make sense of God. So here's a couple questions to continue the conversation. Questions you can have in the car. Questions you could have with somebody this week over coffee. Somebody you could have this, this week with somebody over you know, social media or on the phone. How are your healthy spiritual patterns? What are your healthy spiritual patterns? Do you have any? Have you diverted from them? In this last year, when a lot has changed and a lot of things, you know, we've have forced us to to somewhat adapt. Have you also adapted your healthy spiritual patterns, or are they intact, or are they good, or do you need to add some more tools to your tool belt? Because these healthy spiritual patterns is what make us better at life and make life better. And the second question is this: What what would it look like to remain? Faithfully innocent. Kate, Kate and I have this conversation all the time. I deal with bullies. Even in my job, believe it or not, even in the church world, there are pastoral bullies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody has them. Every organization has them. And Kate and I are like, well, we could do this. But what, what would Christ have us do? How can we through this be like a Daniel and remain faithfully innocent. Because you know what? I know that my two little kids are watching everything I do. They hear me take those phone calls. They hear me talk to Kate. And they hear how we deal with people all the time. And sometimes, gosh, I get stuck. There's a situation I'm dealing with right now and we, Kate and I are talking about it, <laughs> and my, Brayden, my four-year-old, he goes, are you talking about so-so-so-and-so? Yeah, I hate that person. <laughs> and I go, me too. No. Um, <laughs> and Kate goes, Michael. And I go, buddy, I go, I, I, don't, hate, I don't hate him. I said, I, I love him. I said, we're just going through something right now. And I go, and he says, well, so we're not supposed to hate him? I said, no, buddy. No, we're not supposed to hate him. And I said, Daddy doesn't hate anybody. I said, Daddy doesn't hate any single person. I said, I'm just, we're just going through something right now. We're trying. And Braden, he goes, but he's not trying back, Daddy. <laughs> and I go, I know. I know. But Daddy's got to do the right thing. That's hard hard to do the right thing because many times when you do the right thing there's no reward for that and there's no satisfaction the only satisfaction you have is knowing hoping that today you are a little bit more like Jesus hoping that when you come face to face with your creator and your judge and your father in heaven He goes, hey, I know in the moment you didn't know it, but I was watching and I was really proud of how you dealt with that. Really proud of you. That's what I hope. That's what I hang on to. And so for you in those moments when you go through that, I hope that you're a Daniel. I hope that you remain faithfully innocent. 
I hope you stay the course because there are little eyes watching you. And there are people who don't follow Christ who are watching you, who believe that Christians are just like everybody else. And it's your opportunity to do something remarkable and to show them, no, 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 we Christians, we are different. We are different. And our God, He is worth following. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, these messages have been so hard for me to preach. As you speak to me and my life, and as you speak to everybody else in this room, God, I pray that we would not do what's easy, we would not do what is predictable, but that we would live remarkable lives. That God, in these moments, we would be like an Abigail, that we would be like a Daniel, that we would continue on the healthy, the, keep the healthy spiritual patterns that we have, to not abandon you, to, to stay aligned with you. God, keep our, keeping our will aligned with yours. That's what Daniel went to do when he prayed. He was coming to align his will with yours, saying, God, keep me in line with your mission. Keep me in line with your kingdom. God, keep me in line with your will. And as he did that, he suffered the consequences. And many of us, God, oh, we will suffer the consequences. The consequences are very real. This is not a fairy tale. This is real life. And so there's going to be consequences. But God, may our confidence and our faith in you be so real and genuine that we continue on the path, that we continue forward with you, knowing that we are in your hands, we are in your arms, that you have us, and that when you see us again, you will say, I'm so proud of you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I, I am so proud of you. And God, with the people who are watching us, whether it be our coworkers, our family, our friends, or even our kids, even maybe our spouse, would they, would they as they view from the bleachers, would they go, oh, there's something different here. There's something amazing. Maybe this God is worth following. Maybe there are some real Christians out there who are not just like everybody else, but that truly are being transformed into the image of Jesus, who really truly are living remarkable lives that, is not, that aren't possible any other way but through a God like this God, may we live such lives that they be on display and may they make you proud and may they make a difference in this world. God, help us to be those types of followers. Help us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. If you'd like to leave a donation, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to speak with someone from Anchored Hope, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.